Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Razorback fans, welcome to episode number 40 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Today, I've got Ty and Peck here today with me. Uh, Ty, Peck, how's it going, guys? Doing well, doing well. Excited to get episode number 40 underway. Peck, what about yourself, man? Doing good, guys, doing good. You know, had had a little family day today and just enjoying this nice weather and getting ready for this, uh, this new coach that's going to come in and you know, excited about the, the basketball season. That's right. Hey, and the Razorback women, they won today too. So, hey, it's not all not all as terrible up on the hill today, guys. Not at all. So, uh, this next segment here uh, after the intro, we've got Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation with us uh, on the NBC affiliate in a local station near you. This is the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 40. Razorback Nation, welcome to this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave us a review while you're listening on your Apple device. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and any popular podcast platform. You can also catch the Hog Talk daily, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and our website, thehogpen.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hog Talk. Razorback fans, welcome to the Hog Talk. This is your host, Jacob Davis. With me tonight is Ty and Peck, as usual, and our special guest, Alyssa Orange from the Pig Trail Nation. How's it going? Well, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, excited Peck. to have you on. Yeah. yeah, Peck was really excited to have you on, so we're going to let him shoot you, shoot you sure. through the gauntlet. So go ahead, Peck. What you got? Yeah, it was. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and spending some uh, Sunday evening with us. And I just wanted to really talk about, you know, what you have going on your your Women's Wednesday, and you know, kind of talk about what you do there. Yeah, well, that was something I kind of created um, back in April, and it's something I've always wanted to do. Like when I first got into the business, I used to do a segment in Tallahassee at my first job um, called "She's Got Game." where it would kind of look at a female athlete every year. Um, But this kind of gave me the opportunity and a platform to uh, talk to women in sports. Um, And it came at a really good time when women sports at Arkansas were doing so well. Um, But at the time and still the hardest battle that we face is giving these women and these women sports that obviously don't get as much of attention as baseball or basketball or football uh, the time in a three minute sports cast. Uh, and I understand that I get, you know, what pays the bills and what people are interested in, but I didn't, I didn't think that it was right to just ignore the women's sports. So wanted to have a digital segment. That's what they're pushing right now, uh, in the industry. And I was like, well, if that's the case, I want a platform to talk about women in athletics. So I've been able to talk to Danielle Musselman. I was able to talk to, uh, some of the softball players, um, 
we did a segment one time on the very first Batgirl at Arkansas, and she lives in central Arkansas now back in the 60s and 70s. She was the very first Batgirl, not just in Arkansas, but in uh, the NCAA. And so that was really cool. Um, have been able to talk to Chelsea Dungy and Michaela Daniels with the women's basketball team. Uh, but I also want to be able to do kind of like panel discussions. Uh, and no offense to you guys. Uh, you guys are great. But, you know, I want to be able to talk to, you know, we have another female on our staff, Tara Talmadge. Um, but Nikki Chavanelli and there's Kelly Stacy who writes for The Athletic. Um, and be able to talk to those women as well who cover the Arkansas on a daily basis. And so it's just a platform for women to spotlight the women in Arkansas athletics that are really excelling right now. I mean, good gosh, follow the softball team and their turnaround with, with Courtney Dyfel. And then you look at the soccer team right now in the NCAA tournament, what Mike Neighbors has been able to do with women's basketball. And then, of course, cross country, the number one team in the country. So uh, you can't forget about these women. And it was really great to be able to have a platform for it. Exactly. And, you know, being able to to cover the, you know, Mike Nevers and the women's team this year, you know, I've got to go to about three games now and it, it's they do. They deserve that that notation because they are really good. And, you know, they're they're 22nd, 23rd ranked team in the nation and, and hardly anybody's talking about them. And so I guess that's where I got that drive is to to give them as much publicity as I can and, and mm-hmm. going to the games because neighbors is such a cool guy and he's such a good coach and you know the three games they've had three different top scores i mean they have such a balanced and good team this year and very well disciplined when you when you ask them questions they look you right in the eye they they have they're very well mannered so it's it's like me i want to give the the soccer team and the gymnastics with jordan weber and give them more publicity than than they're normally getting so you know, it's really cool that what you're doing with with the Women's Wednesday and your your platform. Yeah, no, thanks. I appreciate that. And I saw you guys did uh, one of your podcasts with Mike Neighbors. And I'm telling you, if you're not on the women's basketball train, you need to get on it. Uh, you mentioned it. He is a cool dude. He's a lot of fun. Uh, but I was able to travel with the team last year to Iowa State and kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at how they travel to away games and spend some time with him and some of his staff. And uh, they're just good people, but – this is a team that you're going to fall in love with. I mean, they've got great stories with Chelsea Dungy and Amber Ramirez, and then they've got girls, you know, Malika Monk has just graduated, but she's a prime example of someone who's stuck with this team through so much adversity with um, the turnover with Tom Collin and then Jimmy Dykes and everything that they went through for her to stick around. So I think they're going to be really good and I'm excited, but that's just a, yeah, a small piece of, what I want to highlight with that Women Wednesday segment. And it happens once a month. Um, and so it's enough time to really do it well. You know, you want to be able to do something and do it well. So really excited to, to have that continue. So sticking with you and in, in everything that you're doing here, uh, can you talk a little bit about your journey on the way to Fayetteville just for us? Because I know you've had a few stops along the way. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in the business, man, 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. Um but again, you know, if you don't know, um, I went to Florida State. I'm from Virginia originally, so I'm not a Floridian, uh, but went to Florida State for school. Uh, and in full disclosure, I'm a Dolphins fan. I grew up a Miami Ooh. Dolphins fan. Hey, I know. I know. I know. It's, hey, you know, we're, everyone wanted to tank for Tua. I'm saying we're going to blow for Burrow. We're just going to blow it for Burrow. I'm, I'm done with Tua, no offense. But I think Joe Burrow's got a better upside. 
Uh, but anyways, I really wanted to go to school and my, my parents went to James Madison in Virginia. So we didn't grow up tech or UVA fans. Uh, and I wanted to go to Miami and I was like, I'll go to Miami and I'll go all the dolphins games. And then I realized that Miami was a private school and I couldn't afford it. So I was like, well, never mind. but I was set on going to a school in Florida. And so Florida state was a great fit. So went there, worked in Tallahassee for about a year and a half, two years. Uh, before I moved to Abilene, Texas. And if anyone knows anything about geography in Texas, that's about three hours east of Midland, two and a half hours west of Dallas in the middle of Ooh. nowhere. Uh, so it was a big culture shock for me, but was there for two years, got to cover some great high school football um, and really kind of get the kinks out. In television, you go to small markets and you start small and grow and you know, you're able to kind of make mistakes before you move on. And then I uh, was able to get the job in Fayetteville. And to be honest, I signed a three-year contract. I'd never been to Arkansas in my life, uh, but knew that I was covering an SEC program, specifically solely just an SEC program. The opportunity to travel uh, was very enticing. So I moved here thinking I'd be here a couple of years and then, you know, continue to climb up the ladder and then I met my husband and got married and had a son. And here we are six years later. So that's kind of my career snapshot. Uh, but I've been able to do some really cool things. You know, when I was in school, did a lot with Bobby Bowden. And he's probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met in this business. Um, then went to, to Texas and was able to do some stuff with the Cowboys and uh, did an interview with like, you know, two tall Jones and some of the Cowboys in the past, and then have covered two Super Bowls for my company. So it's, it's been fun. I've been able wow. to do some cool stuff. That's a, that's a, not gonna lie. That's a hell of a trip. That's a back and forth between the, yeah. from where you're from to, to Florida, all the way to Texas to here. <laughs> Be honest with you though. I, I, when you, since you've been to Florida and you've been in Texas, what was your, your thought? of coming into Northwest Arkansas. Cause I'm not going to lie to you. I'm up and down the university sure. quite a bit, a lot of Texas people there. And they really think that they're walking into a place. that's nothing but barns and, you know, a bunch of guys that standing right. around at a gas station, chewing tobacco. Like they didn't think. Right. Much. <laughs> right. What was well, your you perception? Like, were you blown exactly. away? Like, okay. Fayetteville's actually okay. Or. Well, yeah. So to kind of put it into perspective for me, when I was in Texas and had said, you know, <laughs> gotten a job offer in Arkansas, a lot of the Texans were like, oh, Arkansas. And I yeah. didn't really know exactly what that meant. But to compare it in my, from my point of view, it was like how Virginians look at West Virginians. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> so that was like my, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was kind of the person. I was like, okay, I can kind of relate uh, to that a little bit. Um, I did have a girl that I worked with who's now in Cleveland, but she was a University of Arkansas alum. So she kind of pushed and was like, yeah, you should go there. It's a great part of part of the country. And so I flew up here. And again, I'm in Abilene where there's like, you know, nothing. Nothing is green. There's barely any trees. You've got tumbleweeds. And so I fly into northwest Arkansas. And I just remember being like, green, trees, I'm in. Like, I was yeah. <laughs> it had been a long time since I'd seen a palm tree, you know, anything pretty. And so I was in. But I tell you what, you fall in love. When you, when you get here and you move here and 
Uh, I grew up being an outdoors girl, so the hiking and, and all that stuff was really appealing to me. So perfect. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely gonna you know surprise you. And a lot of people still are like Arkansas, and I'm like, yeah, just <laughs> hold on a second. So, yeah, we got a bad yeah. rap, and I don't I don't know why that is. I've yeah. I've heard I've heard the stories. I've talked to a lot of students, and uh, yeah. I, yeah, they're they're always like, but when I do go home, when I get my degree and go home, I'm gonna want to come back. So at least there's right. that. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's a great place, and it doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. And I remember Mike Irwin. One of the first things he told me was like, "Yeah, it's really South Ar- Arkansas that gives the state a bad name." Like, Ooh. <laughs> to Ooh. our audience oh. in South Arkansas, we Ooh. love. Them, okay. No, then you might you. want to cut that so Mike doesn't. But no, Mike. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutting anything. But he did say, he did, he did say that. That's great. Not the well, fact that our it, state has a high school mascot that's a hillbilly. It's South Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, anything okay. south of Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Hey, I'm not trying to start a war, man. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, there. But I'm telling you, I'm sure you've picked up on this with just what your experience through the media, and then of course your husband. Uh, there are some people outside of Northwest Arkansas that think very, very like they kind of. I don't know think that everybody up here is uppity or, or uh, you know, like yeah. we're all walking around rich and it's like, no, we're just, you know, we got Walmart. Like, sure. Yeah. You, <laughs> you get a little bit of that. You kind of get even a little bit of that in little rock, a little contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even think like, you know, we're not going to get into the great stadium debate, but I think a lot of that is just little rock, maybe central Arkansas people not wanting Northwest Arkansas to have everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's understandable. Um, and, that's understandable. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. But well, it gets yeah. wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind Our of, again, growing up in Virginia from Richmond, you know, the same kind of contention with, like, Northern Virginia. Like, Nova. Up in Nova, we're like, oh, people from Nova are so pretentious because it's outside of D.C. and all that stuff. But that's not really true, you know. So it's like that everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it seems I mean, like a lot of those states up there in, in Northeast, you know, like Pennsylvania, you go to Philly and it's a lot different than the people in Pittsburgh. It's just that coast life and you mm-hmm. go more west. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah. it's understand every every state's got that, a little bit of that. I'm a people person. So even though I grew up in El Dorado, I mean, I love getting up to Northwest mm-hmm. Arkansas. I love Little Rock, Hot Springs. Same you here. Know, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I'll, every any, Everybody's going to be... You know, they're gonna love where they're from, but hey, it, it, it doesn't matter. We're we're all one Razorback, like your check wants to say. And speaking of your check, he is looking for a coach right now to yeah. for his uh, football program. That you know, as uh, as a lot of fans want to say, apathy set in. What? How big of a deal do you think this hire is for Hunter Yurichek, oh. and and will it will it dictate his future success of getting or? or or not just future success, but even how people view Juracek as an athletic director. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people have cut him a little bit of slack the first time around in hindsight with Chad Morris because he didn't make that hire. Right. Um, he he liked the hire, but he wasn't a part of the hire. He didn't conduct the coaching search. Um, and so this is his chance to kind of make his mark. He, he took the same mentality with hiring Eric Musselman. It was very secretive. It was, it was very, uh, a small search so that, you know, information wasn't leaked out. 
Um, and, and this is his opportunity to get it right. And he said that when we talked to him in Barry Lunny last week on Monday after Chad was fired, he said, we cannot afford to get this wrong. Not only can they not afford to get it wrong in terms of their football program and its future, but they literally cannot financially afford to get it wrong. Um, right. you, you can't go through something like this again in two years. Uh, so it's huge. But I also think that there's a lot of restrictions with this coaching search that there wasn't two years ago. Two years ago, you could take a chance on a guy like Chad Morris or Mike Norvell or, you know, Elaine Kiffin or uh, a defensive coordinator like Dave Aranda or, you know, if you really want to get risky and try to bring Sam Pittman in as a head coach, even though he's never been a head coach of a power five school that you can take a risk on. I don't know if Arkansas can take a risk like that this year. And I think that it might hurt them because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You could have to pass up on a guy who turns in to be the next, you know, Dabo Sweeney or, um, you know, uh, an, an interim head coach like Ed Orgeron, uh, who ends up being really, really successful. And you might have to pass that guy up because he's not a proven power five head coach, but I don't know how you can risk making a hire by hiring someone who's never been successful at the power five level. That's the trick. I also wanted to go ahead. I was going to say that's the trick, and I've I've talked about this on on the live show. Uh, how do you mm-hmm. do? You go with that instinct hire that maybe mm-hmm. Sam Pittman, maybe he would work out. You think you mm-hmm. think about his recruiting, his expertise along you know the offensive line, what he could do right. as far as building a staff around him. But that wouldn't excite the fan base, right? So now you're stuck. Yeah, and, and well, that's what kind of what uh, I was going to ask if, is what if the crazy? Well, what if the crazy? thing happens right what if they go to LSU and win or at least play competitively and they beat Missouri at the end of the year a lot of people like Barry Barry's got a lot invested in this program and it's no secret how much he cares about this program in this state and this area can you take that risk again can you take that risk and I just don't think the way that Hunter sounded when he says we have got to get this right we cannot afford to get it wrong mm-hmm if you can take that risk. And so I, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. So that talking about when he, when he mentioned that back on the 10th, when he announced, I think that was right. Right. A week ago from mm-hmm. today. Yeah. How well, I mean, just as a member of the media, someone who does mm-hmm. what you you've done, how well did he and Barry Lenny really nail that interview or that, that talking with the, with the press? Oh, it was impressive. I mean, Hunter was very, um, you know, to the point he was very transparent on his conversations with Chad Morris and how all that went down. Uh, Still a little confused personally why it didn't happen on Saturday. And if he knew what he was going to do Saturday night and then did it on Sunday morning, you let Chad Morris get really grilled Saturday after that game against Western Kentucky by the media and then shoot a coach's show, which kind of makes me scratch my head, but I don't make those kind of decisions. But I will tell you, impressed with Barry Lunny and his, again, very transparent, but classy, very matter of fact and and honest with us. And it was refreshing because for so long, nothing against Chad Morris, but we it was too much coaches talk. It was too much, you know, 
Well, we're still trying to build and we're, it was the same thing over and over and over again. And for once in a long time, we were able to get like real answers from Barry. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's been dealing with us as a media member for the past six years that he's been on Bielma's staff and Morris's staff. But also a lot of these guys like Tom and Bob, Mike Irwin, Nate Allen covered Barry Lunny when he was a player. Yep. So he's used to talking to these guys and, and we finally were able to, to feel like we were being told honestly the state of where Arkansas football is right now and what they want to do to make it better. Well, I'm with you. He, I was impressed. I was, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I was absolutely blown away. Like I've seen some people in the media put on Twitter, but I was really impressed him and Hunter, Hunter your both did a great job, but you're right. He, he nailed that down. And if you're competitive, if you get this bye week, you have a great bye week and, and you're getting ready for LSU and preparation is there and they look prepared for LSU. They cover that horrendous spread, by the way. 46 points. Oh it's ridiculous. If they cover that and then some, and then you're competitive against Mizzou. Yeah. I, I think you got to put his hat. You, you've got to put his name in the hat. At least give him an interview if you hadn't already. At least talk to him. I agree. At least talk to him. But again, I just get, and that's what makes me nervous because I. It's not that I don't think Barry would possibly deserve it if that were the case, or you know, some of these other candidates that aren't Power Five coaches like a Mike Norvell, uh, or you know, bringing Lane Kiffin back for another opportunity in the SEC. Again, I just don't know if you can risk it. And that's why I'm so hesitant to jump on board with a lot of these candidates because I don't even know if they're even going to get phone calls. So we'll see. And kind of adding on to that, you know, kind of from the fans' perspective and and how much pressure is on Hunter Yurchek just Mm -hmm. because, like I said, in the fans' eyes, he did make such a home run hire with Musselman to kind of equal that with the football coach. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what we were talking about with Lonnie, if – would that have any kind of persuasion on not even offering, you know, Barry Lunny Jr. the job because he's not like that home run hire that mm-hmm. Arkansas needs at this point in, in, yep. in time? Yeah, that's 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 going back to risk. And you think about it, they could have done that two years ago. They, I don't think they can do that now. And I think Hunter knows that. Uh, you you can't take a risk, and you got to bring in someone that excites the fan base. That's going to make them go, oh, okay. This, this is the real deal, and we're going to be competitive. Um, he has got to be able to uh, – because if he does, let's say, hi, you know, hypothetically he does hire Barry, he's going to be able – he's going to have to be able to defend that hire. And why that he would – regardless of everything else that's going on, he took a risk by hiring someone who um, has been on this staff and has never been a head coach before, never even been a coordinator on a Power 5 team. Uh to be able to lead Arkansas as the head coach. So um, it's, it's a lot of pressure, you know, and you have to take into consideration too. I think, you know, just personality wise, Hunter was a lot more comfortable with a um, hiring a basketball coach than maybe a football coach. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, but he obviously knew basketball a lot better, played basketball in college. So he's just comfortable more with that sport and what he wants, what he likes connecting with a coach in that manner. We'll see how this football search goes. Yeah. Well, so we appreciate you coming on tonight with us. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was a really good in, uh, really good conversation here. Uh, 
Anytime you guys want to tune in there with the uh, Pig Trail Nation report, you can always go to nwahomepage.com and read their stories too. They have put together uh, stories about coaching candidates and and uh, other other topics like that. Man, you can go mm-hmm. tune into their stuff and and, and you can see them on uh, NBC. Yep. On any NBC affiliate too. Yeah, so. no, yeah, we appreciate it. And of course, you know, that's the thing which is so weird than the last time. We've still got three weeks, two weeks of the regular season yeah. now. We're going to yep. be talking about this for a long time. We got a <laughs> time to talk before we get any real answers because you're not hiring anybody in the middle of football season. No, they need to stop with that. Everybody, all no. these Hawk fans in there, yep. I've got it. Lane Kiffin's the next be? guy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Tracking nice, planes. you know, you know, it, it, to be very honest, I, I, I really want them to, to call Mike Leach. And I know that that's a that's a name that's got a lot mm. of controversy possibly around it. But you yeah. look at him and what he's done. You give him enough money to go and hire him a defensive coordinator because Mike Leach is a guy that is going to let the defensive guy do their things. He's not a defensive guy. He's an offensive mind. So yeah. hire a defensive coordinator and do well. You bring in Mike Leach, who you know is going to develop quarterbacks, which is one of the reasons why Morris failed at Arkansas, because he couldn't do that. Mm. And then you look at his record. he He's winning at Washington State at Pullman, where yep. that's hard place to win. Mm-hmm. One of the winningest coaches in program history. Was one of the winningest coaches in program history at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. You know, you've got to be able to look and say, okay, this guy's been able to do it at places where it's hard to do. And he's the winningest coach of programs at two different schools. That's a he good point. He can do it in the SEC. He's mm-hmm. been in the SEC when he was the offensive coordinator under Hal Mummy at Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. You, he has wanted this job. He wanted this job back when it was open, when they eventually hired Nutt. And he wanted this job two years ago when they hired Chad Morris and they didn't even call Mike Leach. So at uh- least give the man a call. I like the point you made, though. He's won at places that are very hard to win at. Yep. And kind of like the way we think of Texas Tech now is a mm-hmm. lot different than before he took the job. And I know that's been some years, and there's some controversy there mm-hmm. over a over a ESPN analyst's son and all that. But I couldn't agree more with that. That's actually a really good point to make. Well, look, yeah, and look at his tree. I mean, well, you say that, but then again, Cliff Kingsbury took over that program, and he's the Mike Leach product. And then That's true. Time- that SMU also a Mike Leach product. So oh. there's a lot. You look at this guy's coaching tree, and, and he's making marks across the country. And, again, I think they at least need to call him. You're going to turn our entire audience into Leach fans, Alyssa. Oh. You just did that. I've got, with that, I've got people starting to call me, like, Leach Trail Nation because mm. I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> got the Leach you know, speech. The Leach the speech. I am. But, you know, again, my argument is give the man a call. Mm. you know yeah and, and my only hesitation with him and i i voiced my hesitation when it comes to leeches you know we got burnt with Bielema, we got burnt mm-hmm. with morris with the, with the coach speak and mm-hmm. you know that and i am not saying he's not a great coach but it's like how long would that carry in the sec west that that's just my because this is you know you're building a program one from the ground up and you're mm-hmm. building it in the toughest division in all of college football so that is my only hesitation when it comes to leach is how much would that really carry with with his Mm -hmm. pedigree yeah no i that's again you got to play defense in this league so that's the biggest question mark there uh 
But this job is a hard one. I mean, you look at any other job vacancy after the season's over, and my alma mater is currently looking at one, too. You're asking a coach to step in and take over a program that you just cut someone from after not even two years to not be able to turn it around and say, okay, now we need you to go compete. The biggest thing is you got to be able to compete with the teams Arkansas pays to come in here. I, I know it's going to take some time to compete with Auburn and Alabama and LSU. And, you know, you got to be able to consistently beat the Mississippi, Mississippi schools, but you got, you can't lose to Western Kentucky and you can't lose to Colorado state, San Jose state, barely beat Portland state. That's what hurt Chad Morris. Yep. And he, he gone, he's out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, guys, stay tuned for the next segment of the Hog Talk podcast. Thanks, Alyssa, for being on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to episode number 40 of the Hog Talk Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the last segment with Alyssa Orange of the Pig Trail Nation. In Fayetteville tonight, we've got a we have a, plenty of news to talk about. We got some football recruiting that we didn't really touch on in uh, recently, and then uh, some coaching search topics that we want to cover. And then we had Lady Back Basketball uh, getting a win today. Man, things aren't all bad up on the hill, is it, Peck? No, man, that Lady Backs, man, they're killing it. Uh, had a chance to go to uh, the game against Oral Roberts the other night, and. Uh, you know, they or Roberts really keyed in on Chelsea Dungy, and you had another one just step up. Gunner freshman Michaela Daniels just come out on fire, missed her first three, ended up with 27 points. Ooh. And uh, I mean, was killing it. I mean, the, the Lady Bucks hit 17 threes uh, for the night, and Alexis Tolfrey finally come in and you know, had herself a game. Amber Ramirez, I mean, this girl, I tell you what, between you know. ORU game and today, you know, she had 18 against ORU and then had 26 today against Stony Brook. I mean, these girls, I mean, they take off. They they don't ever, you know, get off to a sloppy start. You know, the ORU game, they had a little bit there at the third quarter where they got a little stagnant. But I'm telling you what, they are unbelievable. And as we were talking about in our, our interview earlier with, with Ty, we, we watched that Pittsburgh or the Oklahoma City game and that inside presence we thought that they was just missing. And, you know, they got a little Dennis Rodman down there with Taylor Thomas. I mean, had no points but had 10 rebounds. So, you know, she's, you know, she's averaging a double-double and then had 10 rebounds the other night. So they're turning into a complete team that you would see in, you know, January, February, and it's – it's not even December, and they're they're turning into a complete team. Yeah. So, Ty, you brought up the topic before the show, uh, Razorback football recruiting. I mean, the decommitments going. 
do do you think things will really change uh, throughout the next few weeks, or do you think all the decommitting is over with? Well, you know, unfortunately, all, all that you've lost so far, outside the guys that decommitted before uh, Chad Morris was fired, all those guys are Texas guys. Uh, Darren Turner, or no, I'm, not, I'm sorry, Turner's actually Tennessee, my bad. Uh, Chandler Morris, which we saw coming. Uh, Kelvante right. Dixon, Savion Williams, uh, Alan Horace, John Gentry, uh, Brandon Frazier, Mason Mangum. Those are all Texas guys. And they, uh, they're they done, which tells you they were sold on Chad and they wanted to come here and play for him. And and I imagine those guys probably would have signed with Arkansas, even maybe even going 2-10. Uh, yeah. Obviously, guys like Tykes Crawford and, and, um, and uh, I'm trying to think, Martavis French. French, there was baggage, and he he decommitted and and went to Tennessee before Morris was fired. I don't think they have a shot at. I really don't think they have much of a chance of getting any of these kids back. For those of, for those of you who've been hitting me up in the DMs, I don't think they have much of a shot there. Um, you never know; anything could happen. Obviously, a lot of this is going to depend on who they hire. Um, and if you if you hire in, let's say let's say we go with who Alyssa brought up, you know Leach. Well, he yeah. doesn't run the RPO. He runs the 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 four or five wide air raid. That's what this is. It's it's air raid, and and he's been able to make it work at T Tech and, and Washington State. Um, I don't know that you're going to get any of those guys back with this system. You never know. Uh, the thing you like about Leach is his he does have Texas connections, so maybe maybe you have a shot with getting guys like Kevante Dixon back on board, uh, Alan Horace, John Gentry, who's out of Houston. Um, I do, I do think they end up probably losing some more commitments right now. They've dropped all the way back according to uh, 24 seven sports. We knew they dropped to dead last in the sec, but they're all the way with six commits, their national rank at one sixteen. Wow. Uh, Blaine told Jashad Stewart, Catrell Wallace, Drew Francis, Mike Harris, and Tyrese Edwards are the only guys you have committed right now. I, I think there is a chance you end up losing, a couple of these guys, but uh, I, you never know. Again, it's going to all depend on who they bring in and what coach, what coach they bring in. I think, I think you need to hang on to all of them. I think they're all worthy Razorbacks. Even Drew Francis, who people were complaining about his his picture that was posted on on Twitter, talking about how he looked like a punter. Um, I think they're all quality athletes. I think you got to keep them all, and, and hopefully the next guy, the next head coach, will be able to to come in and write the ship with recruiting. But this is, this is standard procedure when you make a coaching change, especially towards the tail end of the season. This is how it goes. You know, right. you're going to have, yeah. you're going to have guys decommit. I mean, this is, you know, they're, they're not all committed to the state or to the program. They're committed sometimes to the coach. That's what you saw here. And, uh, you know, they're doing what's best for them. But again, it's going to really depend yeah. on on that next guy. But right now, you've got three committed from the state of Arkansas, two from Tennessee, and one from Alabama. So um, there's only three of them that have that state affiliation. So well, yeah. and when it comes down yeah. to like the recruiting, I mean, other than Chandler Morris, I mean, what other name out there that Morris got in? Or would we like? Okay, that's a huge miss. You know, it's not like we're we're losing out on a bunch of four star, five star guys. You know, other than. Chandler Morris, because of course we expected him to decommit, but you know that next coach that comes in, at least you know he's he's going to come in and start building building his foundation with with his guys. And and that's the that's the key question here is when do they make that hire? 
can you get him here before that early signing period? And I think they will. They've got this head start. Um, I if if you know, there's a number of players here, you know, John Gentry, Savion Williams. Uh, I think those are like I think those guys are worth more than the three stars next to their name. Uh, I'm real big on Kelvante Dixon. I would love for someone to be able to come in and get some of those guys back, but you're right. That's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to come in and they're going to build their own. They're going to have their own foundation and a fresh, clean slate. The problem is timing. That's ultimately what's – I hate this early signing period. I I thought I liked it (laughs) until they had to fire a coach with just a few games left on the schedule or a few weeks left on the schedule, and now you're having to race against that time. And then that guy, not only – even if you made the hire tomorrow – He's behind the gun because now you're at a new program and maybe where he's coming from, you know, sometimes you see that players, we saw that with Bielema and Chad Morris, they'll bring players with them. That doesn't always work though. They don't want to go play at Arkansas. They don't want to go to the SEC. Believe it or not, those players do exist. So you're going to have to start with, let's say, let's say after Missouri, they make the announcement. Here's our guy. It's, I don't know. It's Leach. We'll just stick with him or Kiffin. Okay, he's got he's going to be racing against the clock now. Whereas before you didn't have that. You had up until the the end of the first week of February. You know, that's your time period. Now it's I've got to have Absolutely. I've got to get these guys before the early signing period. And it's such a pain and it only benefits the schools that are already established and that's that's just it's unfortunate, but yeah. hopefully that guy can come in and uh establish a, a solid foundation with recruiting really quick. Yeah, but we've and already dealt with that because they they did that the same way when Chad Morris was hired. You know, they they let Bielema go right after the the Missouri game, and then here come Morris in, and he was in trying to rush against the clock to get these early signing guys. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what really helps Arkansas in this situation is the coaching staff that's still here. They know what to do now because they've already been in this position where here we got a coaching change. Now we're trying to get these recruits. So like the guys like Barry Lunny. Your, your other guys that are on staff, they, they're already probably already reaching out trying to get these recruits that to get them to come back. Well, it's going to be business as usual for the staff. Nothing changes for them in terms of, of what they're saying to these recruits, although, yeah, you, you cut the head off the snake. That's a little problematic, but nothing's going to change for them. Now, that's, I'm sure, their their presentation. Now, how they really feel is another story, but I think – I think Brett Bielema, or excuse me, uh, Barry Lonnie Jr., I think he's going to try and sell. I, I don't even know if Barry's going to bother with recruiting right now. I think he's got – he's going to be dealing with just preparation, getting getting ready for LSU and, and uh, Mizzou. But I, for the rest of the staff, like you said, uh, they're, they're going to – it's going to be business as usual, and they're going to treat this as though Chad Morris were still here because that's what they're getting paid to do. Yeah. And they've got reputations too. That's yeah. something else people kind of forget. They've got reputations to uphold. If, if you let go of the rope as – as an employee, no matter if they fired your boss or not, that looks bad on you and your next possible job. Absolutely. So what about Mike Leach? Do you like Ty? What outside of what Alyssa just stated, what, what intrigues you about him as the next head coach at, uh, saying he's the next head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks? I want to go on record as saying he's not, quote-unquote, my guy, so please calm your hate mail down in the hate comments on my next live stream. But uh, I I do think he has uh, – look, Alyssa brought up a great point. The fact – and I hadn't even thought of it like this. Texas Tech is not a place where coaches, even before he took the job, which was, God, way back in, what, 2000 or whatever – 
Like that was not a destination job. It wasn't even like it was the bottom of the barrel of the newly founded Big 12. If you remember, the Big 12 started in the mid 90s. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, came along right in the beginning of all that. So here comes Leach at a down Texas Tech school, from what I can remember, maybe I'm wrong, and turns it around and made it a pretty halfway respectable program. And then obviously there was some drama that that unfolded that some people actually believe that Leach really wasn't even responsible for, but took the fall. And then obviously he left and now he's at Washington State, been there for a little while and turned them around. So there's, again, like I thought what she said was, she's she's right. This isn't. This isn't post Bobby Petrino. It's not even post Houston Nut. It's it's a job right now in the what have you done for me lately? You know, that's what that's what this is. Arkansas hasn't done anything lately. They've been absolutely atrocious. That's what they've done. They've won four games so far, four games through two seasons. It's it's not a it's not a destination job. It's just not what it used to be right now. It's gonna be up to to someone to come in and change that. Leach brings familiarity in terms of he's like a Bobby Petrino light I think because of his offense remember that's what Petrino like it's all the offense it's what he can do he can throw the ball around he's going to rack up points that's what Leach brings to the table but I think his defense is I mean they've been terrible they have been really bad there's been there's a friend of mine who's a big Texas Tech fan and he, he was talking about even some of the best years you had on offense at Texas Tech they would be some of the worst years on defense that you would have at the same time so that's what troubles me about Leach is, and Peck brought that up in the interview actually with Alyssa that you got to have to bring that here and to win with his formula. It's easier said than done. You got to play some level of defense, um, but I like his offense. I do. I like scoring. It's exciting. That's going to sell tickets. Hell, I'll go watch a shootout with with Arkansas and I don't know LSU. I'll watch a fifty-five to forty football game. You know, I'm willing to watch that because you feel like with all that offense, hey, we've got a chance. Even with a bad defense, right. we've got a chance. That's what's attractive about Leach. But I'm not officially on the Leach train. I'm not exactly opposed to him either. But um, I do think that that's probably what fans are really looking forward to is that kind of scoring and that kind of right. excitement back on the field. And and that's where I'm really at right now is I want to be I want to be entertained. I want to have something that says, okay, I can cover this team. I don't care if they're a defensive team or an offensive team. As long as they're winning, it's going to be fun. And it stinks when you have to cover a team that's gone 4-18 and 18 over the past two seasons. And it's just – it's ridiculous. And they're going to have to, like your check has said over and over and over again, that they have to get this higher right. Do you go after Elaine Kiffin in, uh, in, in Conference USA? That's who I would like to see. I, I know he's been all over the place. I know fans – would be, you know, 50-50 on his hire, kind of similar to the Gus Malzahn hire if, if, if Gus has let go at Auburn or or he mutually leaves and gets hired at Arkansas. There's so many things going on out there that that could happen. And fans would just be like, this is not who I want. They don't have people who don't want Leach. Some people won't Leach. Some people would love, would love to have Kiffin and some wouldn't. Some would love to have Malzahn here and some don't. Uh, or uh, like 80% don't. So, a, what's the right hire here? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Pittman, there's a strong argument for Pittman. We talked about that with Alyssa, too. Um, yeah. There's a strong argument there for talking about who he can bring with him and the kind of recruiting and being able to, to uh, you know, get that offensive line straightened out, maybe. 
get some talent up there. That's something they've been missing for a long time, and we've seen how that's played out. I, I don't know what the right hire is. I, I could tell you, like someone said on social media, I, I don't remember if it was Otis Kirk or, or someone in the media, but they'd said this, that you know you need that that coach that can do a little bit of both what Houston Nutt and Bobby Petrino could do, what they kind of what they brought to the table. The offensive mind of a Petrino and that head coaching style of a Houston Nutt, although one that's a lot less stubborn. I think we actually brought that up here too. Yeah, we did last on show. Thursday, yeah. So maybe that's what you need to bring in. I, I just don't know if that guy's out there. And, you know, this we've got a long ways to go. I don't think they make the announcement of whoever the next hire is probably until, I don't know, I – it's going to be a while, I think. I think we're going to be waiting through at least at least through the beginning of December, and maybe yeah. even after after that, maybe a yeah. week or so into that. But they got they, to make that hire quick, yeah. if you ask me. And it's got to be the right guy. But you got to give them time to beat that early uh, signing period. Yeah, and and the thing is, I mean, with the Bobby Petrino hire, it was in the middle, like the middle of the week in the first week of December. I think it was a Wednesday in December, which is. Like I said on the last show, it was on my birthday when he was hired. And then the Brett Bielema hire was the same the same time period. I think it was around December 4th or 5th. So, I mean, we should expect something around there. And, I mean, the, the, game, is, the game against Missouri is on the 30th. So who's to say you don't have your coach by the, Monday, the Sunday or the Monday of the next week? It would be glorious. I, that, would be, that would be ideal. I I would like to I would love to be going into the Mizzou game knowing who our next coach is. It kind of reminds right. me of when uh, Arkansas played uh, Missouri in their bowl game. Remember Darren McFadden's last game, and they had Bobby Petrino talking to the to the announcers during the game. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that was so exciting. And I know that's a different time. That's a bowl game. I remember that. Yeah, they had Petrino, and it was just so exciting to think we got Petrino. Oh my gosh, and all that just that heightened. Yeah excitement and I, I would like that but first you got to make the right hire too right you got to make that kind of exciting hire and again Alyssa killed it with this do you do you hire with your head or do you hire with the with the fans heads so to speak you know do you hire someone that the fans want that makes them so excited and want and make them you know want to spend the money and, and create some buzz for Arkansas football or do you go for the guy like Pittman or Barry Lunny, who maybe won't excite people as much. That's what he's got on his plate, and that is, man, I he is worth, I'm telling you, to make those kinds of decisions, I, you're worth every penny on my book. That's like people complaining about CEOs making all this money. Well, live a week in a CEO's shoes and tell me you don't think they're worth the kind of money they get paid. I mean, that's it's saying a lot to be able to have this kind of, the, way, the, the entire weight of the state on your shoulders. And I, I kind of disagree with her on the... Uh, you know, you make the wrong hire, you won't be able to make it. You know, I'm all for firing your way to prosperity. I think you can. I think if it, that's what you do. That's what this business is. You got to find the right guy until you do. And when and when you don't, you got to you, you you terminate the guy. Yeah. Like what Chad Morris was doing, it was absolutely the right call to to walk away. You have. It's the only way you find your guy is firing your way to prosperity. I'm all for it. I, and, I know that's and, not a popular take, but right. Well, I mean that the what he was doing on the field with the talent he had was just it was unacceptable. I mean we heard that come out of Morris's mouth over and over and over again. Yeah. But but the fact the fact of the matter is an SEC program that is a traditionally a seven eight win team uh, program and and they they beat who they're supposed to beat. When you're losing consistently to to teams that you pay to bring in 
and you're getting routed week after week by your SEC opponents, it you're you're gonna work your way to being fired in minutes. Yeah. That's what and, happened. And they made and the right the, call. Yeah. And from the moment they lost to Colorado State, he he was the dead man walking from there. Everybody knew it because they went the next week and it got even worse with North Texas. Well, in my opinion, he was a dead man walking when he couldn't when he couldn't get the quarterback situation fitted at all, even year one. Yeah. Like Ruskin and Zach said that on the radio, and they're absolutely right. That's that when you're rotating in two different quarterbacks week to week, working with your ones. I mean, I know some of our audience. I know some of them played football, maybe even at the at a higher. I know we got some ex uh, Razorbacks that listen to us. You know how important every snap is with the ones. You know how yeah. every important snap uh, that that snap is to, to get that kind of opportunity working with the ones. It's it's huge. And when you're rotating out a different quarterback day to day, week to week, working with the ones, that it's just you know that that's a that's a nightmare waiting to happen. That's exactly what it was. You've got two quarterbacks. You've got no quarterbacks, which is all the last year and a half has been. So that to me is when I, I guess that's really when the writing started on the wall. We love to say that here, and I say that on my live stream a lot. That's when you knew the writing was starting to formulate on the wall. We just couldn't read it. It was it was termination backwards and then eventually it happened and then it was like oh yeah no there it is so right call right call had to move away from him but um, it is unfortunate and and i do think look if the next guy if we see the same thing he does not deserve a third year if the next guy has the same sort of problem of losing to these non-power fives losing to the you know other than notre dame obviously losing to the likes of colorado state san jose state north texas i'm sorry you're not the guy. We got to walk away. We're gonna fight. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the big, big key that everybody wants to say. Well, you only gave the man two years. They don't. They're not looking at the games that he lost. They're not looking at the San Jose States and almost getting beat by Portland State. You know, getting blown out by Western Kentucky. You know, all this stuff that even if a a coach year one should be able to beat. If you are a great SEC coach, year one you should at least be able to beat a San Jose State by 21 points or or a Western Kentucky or a Portland State blow them out. I mean, that's just a must. It, we're not asking a coach year one to come in and beat Texas A&M or Auburn or LSU or even a Mississippi State. But to, to come in and, and even an SEC team like Kentucky that where they didn't even have a quarterback. I mean, yeah. if you're a good SEC coach, you should be able to win that game. And, I wanted the, to bring and up. the thing that thing is that the talent was there. Yeah. If anybody has seen that tweet I sent out, you know, we had the worst season in college football history under Arkansas and still had a thousand yard rusher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What and, would have happened if that had a good O line and a good coach? Look at Cheyenne O'Grady, the numbers he was putting up as a tight end. And he quit. Like, and and had he stuck around, yeah, exactly. I mean, God knows. And and but his performance, his production up until that point. I wanted to bring up. Did you guys watch the Baylor Oklahoma game? Yes, I didn't get to. Did you see now? Eventually, obviously, Oklahoma because of the talent and the depth and the fact they let's just be real. I mean, Lincoln Riley is a monster of a <laughs> of a head coach. That guy knows offense, um, and they're just clearly that much better of a team than Baylor. But did you that that first half? Hertz could not do anything 
Anytime he tried to take off and scramble, guess what? There's a linebacker, safety's mm-hmm. crashing down to stop the run. In position nearly every play. Like, you could tell they did their homework. They were well-prepared, well-coached. Uh, their game plan was installed. There was no rotating of quarterbacks. Now, I know it's a different situation, and I know he's had more time there, but I, like there, it's just night and day with watching Baylor, okay, Baylor, who doesn't have near the talent on the field that Oklahoma has. And you look what Oklahoma had to do. Now, that was a great comeback by Oklahoma. Um, I actually That's thought Oklahoma what scares me, though, is that, that second-half debacle where they – they scored what? I mean, was it 28-10 at half? Right. So they scored they scored three points in the second half. I mean, that's that's freaking Brett Bielema-esque right there. No, I'm know, not, not I'm not campaigning for him. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to say that he's the guy. I'm just saying that what I saw was that that's what a, a finished product looks like on the field. Even if it was just for a half, that's way oh, more yeah. than we ever saw at Arkansas. That's the point I'm making. There, there were guys in position, they 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 really slowed and hampered. Uh, Oklahoma's ability to do anything. Of course, Hurts turned the ball over a couple times in the first half, but it was just fun to watch a team of Baylor status who has been kind of, you know, down there with Texas Tech off and on, even, you know, before and kind of in between Art Bryles. You know, it's it's interesting to watch a program like that compete with the likes of Oklahoma, who really is the Alabama of their conference, you know, because the Big 12 is absolute garbage. But, um, yeah, that's right. I said it. But they uh, it, was, it was really cool to see that. And it's like, why – why can he do it over there and Arkansas can't do it here, even against the likes of San Jose State? Why why are they out of position every play? And it's it's very clear that John Chavis is done. I think he really needs to hang it up. I think he needs to retire, move on, do something. I don't know, take up a hobby. Uh, you know, maybe build those little small model cars or something. I don't know. But it's it's I'm excited for the opportunity of making a big change and hopefully they can get someone like uh like what's going on at Baylor, a rule or someone like that. But that was fun football to watch, even in the Big 12, where they don't really know how to spell defense over there, but it was fun to watch. It was it was really cool. And, and Baylor, like, they just looked like a, a finished product on the field. And uh, who would have yeah. thought? Because that team, you look at their, their evolution throughout the, the three years, like, they won one game his first year. And you saw what he did year two, and now he's looking at 11-1, and one, 10 and two this year. So yep. it could be done. If it, if it can happen at Baylor, it sure as hell it could happen at Arkansas. Well, and that's it. That just shows college football yeah. for you. I mean, Baylor was playing up for that game. That was their Super Bowl up to this point. And for, and it was at home game day was there. They played up to it. It's kind of like Minnesota, Minnesota played up to their game last week. I mean, won the game and then look what happened this week, laid an egg, got beat by Iowa, you know, so everybody was on that Minnesota train and, hey, they should be in the top four, blah, blah, blah. And then look what happened. Right. You know, they, we got to, you know, we get caught up in these spur of the moment teams like Minnesota, this flash in the pan. You know, everybody said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that Penn State should have been in the top four. I mean, they got beat by Minnesota and then struggled to win the next one. It's, it, so college football is an amazing thing. And, and it shows that at any given Saturday, if somebody plays up yep. and it's at home, they can win the game. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, just to end the show here, let's talk a little basketball. What happened with uh, the Razorbacks in Montana? Peck, there was a lot of people that were saying, oh, you got to watch. You're putting all these stats out there about how well the Razorbacks are playing right now. And 
and their defense is just they're just playing middle of the pack, mid majors. No. Minnesota was a legit contender in the NCAA tournament last season. They took Michigan down to the wire in the in the first round, although they lost. Montana. What did I say? Minnesota? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Montana. Montana. So they took Montana to the to the wire. We took Michigan to the wire last year. Montana did. And look, Arkansas played a pretty tough opponent. A, a team that had won 52 games over the past two seasons. I put the stats out there that the Razorbacks are forcing their three opponents to shooting at 10%. 10.3% from beyond the three. And all anybody wants to say is, hey, man, look, look at that. I mean, they're 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 not even playing anybody. Let's let's talk talk to me in about sixteen more games when conference play starts. Peck, what's your issue there with that? I, I'm just tired of you know people being so negative about it. Like you know you you complain over you know this turmoil with the football team and you know all the stuff that's been negative going on, and then you have a basketball team that's actually being successful. We're not claiming them to be national champions. We're not saying they should be number one or number one seed. I mean, we put out a simple thing that they got an 11 seed, which was would be a buy-in game, would be that first four game in, and everybody's like, well, it's two games in. I mean, pump your brakes. I mean, if you're going to be that negative about it, go somewhere else. You know, go go join somebody else's team, because to me, it's like all we're trying to do is is shed some positive light about what Musselman's doing, and and you 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 want to be a fair weather fan. You want oh, well, I'll come back in twenty games when if they're still winning. Oh, so if they're twenty and zero, you'll come back and and, and be a fan. Like get out of here. You know, it, it it's ridiculous that it's like you can't make everybody happy, and all you want to do is complain. Like. It's like, it's ridiculous. Everything there's, we've put out, they, a, they've got uh, some. I used to go by, and this is why I don't have a Facebook page. Now, I love our hog talk. Most, I would say 99, 98% of our audience over there and, and our followers are good people. And they come through and they're supportive. And, you know, I, I don't mind them having a difference of opinion at all. We all differ on it. But hell, the three of us differ on things and and. You know, we're, I think we're all three pretty good friends here, and I don't mind that. I don't mind the difference of opinion. But why, why I didn't have a Facebook page, even when I covered different stuff than sports, was because Facebook can be such a dumpster fire. I don't know why it's so much different than Twitter or any of the others. And, I, and there's, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with some pretty big YouTubers as well. They refuse to create a Facebook page because of how just much of a dumpster fire it can be. So then you, you combine sports and a fan base that's as passionate as Razorback fans are, it's just like it's just so expected. But I love too that like I don't mind clapping back at those people because some of them are freaking morons, and they need to be clapped back at, and they need to be told to shut up, and they need, <laughs> they need to be kind of put in their place, so to speak. And hey, look, from time to time, so do we. That's fine, well, and, and that's that's my biggest thing. Like, and and if if you and, and to our fans. If you find this offensive, then uh, obviously we're talking about you because the ones that don't get offended by this, the ones that know we're not talking to them, they know they're not talking. But it's those those ones that every single thing, it's something negative or I'll holler at you in 20 games or they haven't done it. It's it's not the one off situation. Like if it was 
we post something and they disagree. They're not, it, it's not dis, if you're complaining, that's not disagreeing. There, there's a difference between, well, I disagree, and then they back it up with facts. This is just complete bitching and pissing and moaning. And I, it, it just struck me the wrong way. Like, you know, mm. we're trying to give you a good product and a good light, and you're like, oh, I'll piss on it. You know, stop. <laughs> I'm just going to piss on it to piss on it. I mean, that's oh, exactly God. what it is. It's like you could put a fresh new tire on a truck. And here comes that dog. Pee on it. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, and I, I get it. I get it. I've, you know, I've. It's funny the people that I talk to outside the sport, like this, outside the Razorback sports, you know, the guys that are, that have YouTube channels and content creators elsewhere and live streamers. It's so funny what you're talking about is almost, it just mirrors the conversation that I have with them about Facebook. Just. You can't, and, and with Arkansas fans, you know, you get people who get offended by what was the post that we had where uh, we had someone come through and they said, if you want to be taken serious, don't post this kind of stuff. It was the Hunter Urechek picture where he was <laughs> looking annoyed at the press conference. <laughs> I couldn't believe the people that were triggered by that. Like, it's incredible. I just, you can't keep them happy. It's part of it. I get it. Social media is a, 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 can be just an absolute dumpster fire. Twitter can be bad, too. YouTube comments can really be bad. But, yeah, I'm with you, though, Peck. I, when you said you wanted to talk about that, I was like, yes. Yes. Clap back. Don't, don't be a defenseless little lamb. Let them have it. I loved it. It was good stuff. Well, yeah. and like I said, the people who are guilty, they know who we're talking to. So, I mean, oh, yeah. to our lo- I want to say this. To our fans out there, we love y'all. We love, we love all the positive fans out there, and even the ones who disagree with us. We we're yeah. not saying you can't disagree with our opinions. I will right. say that right now on record. If we put something out there and you disagree with us, disagree with us. I, I'm not going to get butt hurt over that. It, I, I still want to do constant a, complaining. I still want to do, and I've talked about doing this before getting people to come in who do disagree with us or agree, whatever, come in through Discord or bring them on Skype and have, like, give them their 30 seconds to just kind of have a good back and forth. Like, okay, why do you disagree or whatever? Kind of like what they do with the uh, Stephen Crowder, what is it, prove me wrong or, or uh, the fame well, of the table. That would be interesting. Just to have, yeah, to have that it's kind of back idea. and forth with fans, just to, you know, without yelling and screaming, just knowing that we can have a, a fun little, little conversation. little conversation there, you know, and so. – and, I think that'd be interesting, but yeah. So to, to, the, hey. to our fans, again, like Peck said, we, we we love you all, and more than likely, the people that are the, the quote unquote haters, they probably don't even listen to this podcast. Um, uh, but if you do, you're entitled to your opinion. But let's uh, I don't know bring bring something to the table. Yeah. So uh, real quick, my boy Mason Jones. Mm. Dude, hey, <laughs> that dude, you're, he's balling out. You nailed it, man. You got that one. You guys, y'all, y'all are just gonna have to l- just look at me and just tell me, hey, you have a good eye for basketball talent. <laughs> do we not Wait. already do that? Waiting, waiting for the recognition, Jacob. Because I know what I'm yeah. talking about. And no, I'm, I'm just playing not with you that's guys. A, that's but I'm that talking Connor about other State people coming out in Jones. Yeah. Hey, look. <laughs> yeah, Connor State in Peck. Shout out to Connor Peck. State. Yeah. Hey, look. I know I have an eye for for talent, and I know when somebody's got it, when they don't. Mason Jones has got it. The dude's scrappy, and he wants it. I want a guy that I want to, I, that I can cheer for and say this guy wants it. He kind of reminds me 
remember when Trey Flowers in his senior season, he came back and the guy single-handedly kept Arkansas in the football game against number one Mississippi State uh, the week before they upset LSU. Arkansas upset LSU. Trey Flowers, I mean, he he brought Arkansas within a touchdown of beating the number one team in the country in 2014. I remember it was fourth down and Dak Prescott was back to throw. And the guy came from the the weak side around, I mean, juked out his uh, offensive tackle that was in front of him, sacked Dak in Arkansas with a minute to go. They they, uh, sacked, uh, Trey Flowers sacked Dak and, Arkansas was going forward to to score uh, the game tying touchdown, and Brandon Allen ended up throwing a pick uh, instead of I mean, which was it was a fade route. And if if Keon Hatcher would have at least gone up for it and fought the uh, Mississippi State defender, I mean, Arkansas would have had one more chance to get the ball in the end zone there. But wow. Trey Flowers had he had the will to win, and he would not give up. Uh, and and that's what I see with Mason Jones, a guy that okay, I have a bad shot, or hey, I didn't get the rebound, or hey, I, I have, I'm have i having issues tonight, my game's off, and I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep fighting through it. And that's what I see with Mason Jones, and he had 19 points yesterday. So yeah, I was going to say, it helps when he's laying in buckets, too. And Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Mason, it's nice, because Isaiah Joe against Montana, you know, Arkansas wins, by the way, first three opponents, under 50 points. What is that, top? Top three in the country or something? Yeah. Top now, four. Look, listen, Virginia came out and said uh, last night that they were the first team since 1949, 48-49 season, to hold their first three opponents to yeah. less than 50 points. Uh, hello, did you not? Do you not see another team in the same uh, same league, same FBS, you know, or or same Division One opponent team? And are you not seeing that they're they are doing it too? I mean, so you're not the I, only ones. I, I issue with that. saw that and someone corrected and said that the timestamp was before the Arkansas game it. ended, but who cares? Like at least wait till the night's over before you yeah. put something out like that. Um, but what I was saying about, about Isaiah Joe and about Mason, it was nice to see that Joe who had kind of an off night and yeah. I kind of thought maybe he should ride the pine for a couple of minutes, but I know, uh, some other people, Pinto and others, corrected me and said, you don't put a shooter like that on the bench. I don't know. Maybe I'm strict. Maybe I'm like, all right, you're going to ride the pine until we can maybe get this thing figured out. But uh, Good shooters shoot. And yeah, that, they do. And they got, they got to shoot their way out of their issues. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But we've seen that before in Arkansas where we, where we stuck with that plan and the guy yeah. would go on to shoot horror or really bad and not ever get out of the funk. But it's good that he struggles and someone else steps up. And yeah. That was my question leading into the season. If if Isaiah Joe struggles, who's going to step up? And clearly, it's been Mason Jones. Mason it really, Jones. it's been a it's been a team effort. Like even though the other guys aren't getting the points, we're seeing Jimmy Witt doing things on both ends. Yeah, uh, Seals off and on. You know, I think defensively has had moments. You know, it's it's we're seeing things. We're seeing players where it feels like so far through, and I know it's just three games. But it's like Musselman's getting the absolute most out of everybody yeah, who's on the court. I agree. And I love, too, he, he was asked this in the press conference about minutes on the floor, and he said, you got to earn them. You've got to earn those minutes to get on the floor. And I love that. I don't know why that resonated with me, but it was like, yes, I agree, Musselman. Pay me to be an assistant. I agree with you, sir. But yeah. it's nice to see that. And, and yeah, they're getting, they're getting everything. And, like – 
you cannot shoot the three on Arkansas. They defend the perimeter so damn well. They defend outside. It's it's not easy to to, to you know to drive the lane on these guys. Their defense is just so sound. I I am like a lot of other people where it's like, okay, hold on, let's let's yeah, let's let's wait until Georgia Tech or let's wait until they play Western Kentucky on the road or, or conference play or well or at Indiana. I, I'm with them on that. I agree with that. But it's still nice to see this because we didn't see this kind of defensive play under Mike Anderson. Um, maybe ever. I can't really remember. Uh, I don't think they ever started off like this and, and no. looked this good and well-coached um, through the first three games, considering the opponent, I know. Yeah, it's it's been a while, but I think it's been before the Sutton era long, long time. But, but defensively, hey, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sutton, Sutton was known as a defensive guy. Yeah. It worked out so, well. So uh, that'll do it. For episode number 40 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Guys, y'all have any final words to say? Ty, I'll let you go first. I was going to say, I want to hear Porter. If he's got anything else to say to those those fine people on Facebook. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done with that. I let that go. He's done. Hey, he uh, oh, he's done. He quick, moved on. Quick shout out to the, the, the women's soccer team. Hey, they're advancing to the second round of the NCAA tournament against NC State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I, th- I think uh, Jacob's starting to have a little bromance with uh, Mason Jones. What I'm I think he is. I was going to say Stop something it. earlier, but I, I held back. He, no, you whispered his name. That's bromance. When you whisper <laughs> the man's name, that's bromance. Uh, he's whispering sweet nothings in our ears about Mason. Careless whispers. <laughs> Mason Jones. <laughs> uh, it's a good time to be doing it. And it's a good time to be buying in what you're seeing out of him. I mean, it really yeah. is. Like, I, I, I'm i sure he'll have his moments where he maybe disappears or doesn't get the same productivity. But I'm with you. I'm with you, Jacob. I think he's going to be, be great. As my wife likes to say, Caitlin says, so far, so good. So far. Yeah. And no, it, it, it's a good time to be a Razorback fan right now when it comes to basketball. Both teams are, are showing promise. I mean, yeah. like, like we said before, you know, we're not claiming that that they're going to be go for sure go to the tournament. It, it's just nice to have something to be feel good about and it not be football. And then we got to wait till baseball. You know, we, we have something going on right now with the basketball program, men's and women's that and of yeah. course, soccer that we, we have we should be proud of it. Embrace it. I, I want more fans to go out and support that women's team and and go out to the men's games, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, through 40 episodes, this has been Jacob Davis, your host, Ty Hudson and Peck, my co-host tonight. Through 40 episodes, it's been so good. Through 40 episodes, it's been so far, so good. So far, I messed that up. So, yeah, no. So, so far, fit- so good. So far, as we Caitlin get it. You're says. under the weather. You're under the weather. You have an excuse. So. I haven't said anything the whole episode, so don't. <laughs> let's not go with the excuses right now. If Michael Jordan can play with the flu, I can do a podcast with the crud. So we'll be all right. So comparing yourself to Michael Jordan now. Are you That's hearing right. this, Porter? This Ooh, guy oh is big gosh. head. Man. Oh lord, Man. y'all are on me tonight. <laughs> it's deserved. It's well deserved. But. Anyways, for episode number 40, this is the Hog Talk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.